and the Eagles are not in the NFC Championship game because they picked the right players, right? They screwed up lots of picks. This has not been you know, the triumph of evaluation. This is the triumph of continuing to stockpile at the most important position so that you can overcome your starting quarterback turning into a pumpkin. You can overcome injuries. You can overcome the chaos of having to fire the only Super Bowl winning coach in the team's history, like, and two years later be back in the NFC Championship game. And that's the power of positional drafting. And I think if we're going to like laud analytics, like, I mean, we, I think we really need to be more focused in who we give credit to. And I think the Eagles are a team that deserve it. Welcome, everybody, to Unexpected Points. I am your host, Kevin Cole. We got Hermsmeyer. We got Josh Hermsmeyer, friend of the pod. As I mentioned to him, highest rated guest we've had. I think we got a good rapport uh, going back and forth on this one. We don't touch on the playoffs that much. I thought we might. We do at the end of this episode. But, guys, this is unexpected points, okay? Not expected points. You're expecting a lot of playoff talk right now and a lot of narratives. And is Joe Burrow the next Tom Brady? And he has the moxie and you can't project them. And Brock Purdy is the next coming. Everyone's Tom Brady for some reason. So we're not going to talk about necessarily all that sort of stuff. But what we do talk about is the news of what's going on here. Nathaniel Hackett, a lot of questions about that. We revisit some bold predictions that we had before the season started we got some good results some bad results some ugly results when it comes to that and what happened there and then we also touch on a lot of the coaching analytics free agency all that sort of stuff that we're going to see going forward touching on a lot of teams what they should do in this offseason whether it's the Giants with quarterback whether it's Lamar Jackson and the Ravens with quarterback and elsewhere and you know, Josh is probably my favorite person to talk to because we disagree a lot. He's unafraid in giving his opinion for what it may be, but he also updates his priors when new information comes in. He likes to say strong opinions weekly held, meaning he has, when you have the evidence points in one direction, you go for it. You go for full bore in that direction. But once you get new evidence, you you allow your you allow your opinion to change and to update and to go forward with new information here. Okay, check out Josh, everything he does at 538 at Frisco Josh. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've not been following along, go ahead and subscribe to this on iTunes or wherever you may be following along. And check out my Substack. We talk about some of the articles from that Substack, unexpectedpoints.substack.com. But here we go, Frisco Josh. All right, Mr. Hermsmeyer, you're back. Back as the favored guest, I would say probably the highest rating guest. So we needed something here. We needed some excitement into the podcast. So I needed to get the Hermsmeyer bump in uh, in listens right here. So I hope you can provide uh, while having breakfast and coffee all at the same time, multitasking. Enjoying my bar. Excited to be back on Unexpected Points. And, you know, it is an honor to be, you know, the, the number one rated guest. That's definitely been a, a lifelong ambition. So I'm I'm excited to, to continue the role. 
Yeah, you know, I, I tell that to all multi uh, multi appearance guests, but for you, it's true. For you, it's true. For the other ones, you know, don't tell them. I, I'm I'm lying when fair when enough, I say that. Enough. When I say that, there. Okay, so we, we got a few things to talk about. We got some news happening today. You know, there's this whole there's playoffs going on, so we'll talk about that. Your 49ers marching forward, proving quarterbacks don't matter after. Which I think is interesting, and we'll get into this. I think it's also funny how all these analysts are like quarterbacks. You know, they can t- they can win with anyone, and then approximately when was it i guess two years ago they were saying shanahan realized he could never win unless he had an elite quarterback so then he had to trade three draft picks for one but i don't know how those two things come together but we'll talk about that we made some bold predictions in the past i want to revisit some of those um good bad and ugly i'll say on some of those bold predictions there um but first let's talk about some news talk about some stuff that you're writing some stuff that i'm writing that you disagree with that i'm learning now uh, first nathaniel hackett so we'll be newsy here nathaniel hackett is coming to the jets um i, I mean i don't know whatever i'm sure he's cool uh as an offensive coordinator uh i didn't think mike lafleur was bad necessarily um Lafleur on the way out said something about the fact that Zach Wilson maybe should have sat for a year I think that's bump you know it's bump guess he probably just sucks no matter how long that he would have played there so it was, it was a hard hard hand was dealt to Lafleur there um of course the speculation is going to be what does Hackett mean in terms of recruiting Aaron Rodgers I also think that's probably an overhyped play I mean just look at based upon what we saw from the Broncos last year and how that all played out I don't think you hire someone without knowing for certain that Rodgers is part of the deal. Uh, you make that sort of commitment without it, but I, I could be wrong. Well, what do you think about the hire? I don't understand how you uh, do the mental gymnastics to go from scapegoating LaFleur into, because obviously LaFleur wasn't given the, the best hand in terms of quarterbacks, right? So right. he was dealt a pretty poor, pretty poor hand by the previous regime, the GM currently there uh, in terms of uh, adding in the, in the free agency pool. He had Joe Flacco, Mike White did some amazing things with Mike White, by the way, a guy who could actually perform in the offense and understood it. Um, and then, you know, Zach, Williams, Zach Wilson, who was completely limited. So, uh, you know, busts happen in, in the NFL. And and I guess, as Cade Massey said last week, there always has to be a scapegoat. But clearly, LaFleur was it. And then to go from him for a guy who actually was the problem, who, who we can – Actually, say with high confidence was the reason why um, uh, the, the Broncos stank is uh, is interesting. So from that view, and then trying to like uh, overlay logic, I think the only way this makes sense. No, I'm not going to overhype like that. I'm not going to be overconfident. I'm not going to be Mister. No, you can say you can you can give me some Rogers. You could. Uh, I, I think, swaps. I think Rogers swaps makes... are all over the place right now. I think Rogers. I, in, it looks very weird, but go ahead. Sometimes you, sometimes you, uh, um, you, you make a bet and you say, "Look, this guy has been a, a, a previously was a successful coordinator, and maybe he gives us a ten percent higher chance of getting Rodgers." And I think it's, I think it had to have been part of the calculation. Yeah, I guess if you want to go galaxy brain, coaches don't matter. Which maybe I'll be in that category. You say, "Hey, it doesn't matter. He's good enough, and maybe it helps here." So let's let, let's go for it now. Was that was that dig on um, Zach Wilson calling him limited? Was that a subconscious, unintentional play on Mister Unlimited Russell Wilson in the in the in the other category here? Because I do think it's funny. It's like you fail with Russell Wilson, and now you're going to replace someone who didn't do well with Zach Wilson. Like Zach, yeah, that's, it's a it is a weird contrast there. 
that that is interesting. And 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 again, like Russell Wilson improved the minute that Hackett left, and <laughs> variance, all the rest. Right. Yeah. But it's just that I I don't know. I I would be fairly confident in saying that Hackett was just in over his head as a CEO. Um, yeah. And I uh, and I think and, and I actually have some inside information on this. I'm actually a, a well-connected Broncos person. Well, we so, have that famous uh, picture of you and John Elway standing next to each other, which I believe you took just so you could do some like height supremacist stuff and show how you're you're, you're pretty good on the height category right next to an NFL quarterback. But go ahead. Right, right, yeah, no, but I, I, I so I think I think Hackett truly was just in over his head. I think that he he was deeply unserious in a lot of really important ways. And it kind of eventually, pretty quickly, showed um, the team, you know, sussed it out. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of goes to one of the articles that I wrote this offseason about coaching hires. Like, there's no correlation between offensive coordinator success or coordinator success and coaching success. I mean, it's not, not to say that, like, bad coordinators would be just as good as good coordinators. That's probably not the case. But let's face it, it's all selection bias. Like, no one's grabbing an awful coordinator – who had awful results the prior year and making him a first-time NFL head coach, right? It's just not happening. So amongst those guys, you know, who knows who will be good because you got to do a lot of stuff as a head coach that you don't have to do with offensive coordinator. So, yeah, he'll have that focus narrowed there. Uh, the whole Rodgers thing is interesting because I thought there was really no chance initially that he could be traded. Now we have NFL insiders saying it's a possibility. Um you know, they could take some massive cap hits over two years and I guess it could work. It's a palatable contract for a new team, um, but it's massive. I mean, we're talking about massive, massive cap hits, way more than Carson Wentz we've seen in the past. And by my numbers at the end of the season, you know, Green Bay was looking like a fringe, maybe right inside of the top 10 type of NFL team. Definitely not worse fundamentally than the league, le uh, the division winning Minnesota Vikings. So, like, why wouldn't you run it back if that was your original plan two years ago to have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback in 2023? I think the sticky wicket right isn't isn't the team, is it? I mean, it's Rodgers being Rodgers. He's being a, a prima donna again. I, I, I mean, why else? I mean, he has the contract he wanted. Does he want a new contract? I mean, he hasn't made those noises. So. No. I, I think it's true. Well, he said it would have to be redone, redone. I think it has to be done just from a cap perspective. They probably do have to restructure it, but wh whatever. You can always restructure quarterback contracts and then have the Drew Brees, you know, bomb drop on you when Rodgers eventually retires. Right. And, and, you know, to be fair, Green Bay is a little bit different in how they deal with their cash flows. Um, but, but no, I, I don't see any reason why if the, if the organization is, is in, that they wouldn't bring him back. So I think it's all on Rodgers. And so if Rodgers wants to leave and he wants a fresh start somewhere else and he's just tired of Green Bay, I don't understand why that would be the case. Been there forever um, and leaving and uprooting, although he doesn't have much of a family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have his own nuclear family or extended previous family. He's kind of, uh, he's yeah. got, he's, he's got a shaman or something though. His name right. is... <laughs> cult leader is new you, can, new you can drink you can drink tea in upstate new york you can find a place yeah you can hallucinate and have a family all of a sudden yeah, you're like yeah. ah there's these objects um so yeah i mean this is it is kind of funny though like the brett Favre analogy here because of course famously Favre left green bay went to the jets had a pretty successful like three quarters of a season before getting injured um 
and then like is Rogers gonna end up on the Vikings too this would be a pretty this would be a pretty interesting uh career arc there but from his perspective like winning an NFL championship there's there's got to be a better chance right in Green Bay than coming over to the AFC also I mean the Bills are still tied I think with the Chiefs for highest Super Bowl odds next season it's not like everyone thinks they're gonna fall off a cliff because they had one bad offensive performance in the playoffs here I don't know. I don't see it, but you never know what can happen. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in New York, I don't know, man. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a, a good recipe for mental health for him. So, no, I, I agree. <laughs> exactly. I agree. You know, <laughs> Green Bay is probably the spot for him. Uh, but I, I do have a take on hiring because you did write okay. that great piece. I thought it synthesized a lot of information that's been out there for a long time and kind of put it in one spot. thought it was really useful, so nice work on that. One thing uh, in talking with people and kind of something I heard that I thought made a lot of sense was, uh, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get very far with guys on the whiteboard in being successful in this hire, right? So maybe the thing you do is you just, you ask them situational questions that have legitimately right answers both ways, but one clearly shows suppleness in their thinking, openness to taking recommendation from a guy in the booth, perhaps, you know, who, who has some game game theory knowledge on uh, on tap. And just kind of and kind of do it that way because you're probably going to get a guy who can you know functionally call plays or functionally diagram plays, um, no matter where you look in the NFL. Although it's a range, no doubt about it. But within the the people who are the hot commodities in a given year, um, and then the, the the sticky wicket then would be finding the guys who are open to actually going that extra step that'll actually give your team an edge on the field on game day. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just think it's tough in an interview setting to do that. I mean, this is anecdotal, okay? But in the offseason, Dan Campbell, when he first started, and then Mike McDaniel this last offseason, they both said some things in the offseason that were, you know, not great. Um, uh, Campbell, forget about the the, the kneecap uh, <laughs> feast that was going on there. I'm talking about... He was saying stuff about going for two down eight, and he tried to explain it in a way where it didn't make any sense, but he sounded pretty confident in his 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 wrong-headed explanation. And the same thing for Mike McDaniel. He was talking about the value of running the ball and keeping the other team off of the field and all these things that are kind of debunked in a way and not really as, as important. But what I think for both of those guys is they listened clearly to – people inside of the building who were telling them things, who were telling, explaining to them, maybe they never had explained to them really before. Again, as coordinators, like you don't really need to have the game management stuff really explained to you. Um, and they adjusted their behavior based upon that. So in some ways, like an interview, how much you can gauge that or not, I don't know. I think it's really, really important. We're not like your traditional reference checks where you're like, hey, what do you think about this guy? And he's like, oh, he was great. But more like really do, in doing investigative work into in the past, how did they deal with circumstances where evidence came up against their prior opinions on something? How did they adjust to that? And were they willing to listen to others, even others who are not on the same rank ordering of them, the hierarchy as they are, were they willing to listen and incorporate that information? That could be more important, that type of behavior, than how they actually answer a question about what they should do. Yeah, and and agents are coaching their, their, their yes. head coaching hires and what to say and how to say it. I think you need to be clever in how you answer the uh, ask the question. Uh, but I think I've heard some examples and I think they were they were pretty good and and then how you do it. So in any event, I think uh, I'm not an expert in this part and uh, I've never been part of the process uh, asking the questions, obviously. So, um, you know, this is all speculation on my part, but it seemed smart to me.
Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. All right. So let's talk, let's talk your disagreement here because I wrote an article uh, about the era of, I mean, I mean, it's a slight overstatement, you know, I'm selling it for clicks a little bit here, but uh, the, uh, the era of the analytics general manager pointing to the fact that in a couple of recent hires from this season, one being uh, Ran Carthon, I think is his name. I got to hope I'm uh, yep, coming from the 49ers. He had some, at least, at least they're saying the right things. Uh, Monty Ossenfort, who came from the Titans, you know, not seen as being a very forward-thinking, analytically uh, front office, but at least he he unprompted was bringing up the fact that he wants to use analytical measures in his evaluations. Last year, Quasi Adolfo Mensa being hired, Joe Shane and Ryan Poles at least saying the right things. We're not getting the Dave Gettleman, you know, hands on the key, mocking hands on the keyboard when we're talking about these sorts of things or just sloughing it off. John Robinson, who's being replaced in Tennessee, when he was asked about analytics from uh, Thomas Dimitrov on a podcast of his, his response was almost immediately to be like, ah, I can't stand these Twitter people always telling you what to do. You know, you got to watch the film and blah. it's like reflexively negative. So at least we've gotten past that point. Um, and they're building rosters. More and more people are being hired. So that was my point there. Tell me why I'm completely wrong. Uh, so I disagree with your conclusion. First of all, I don't okay. think we're anywhere near an analytics revolution in, in, in GM front office decision-making uh, and, and analytics, let's, let's just ground, you know, level set. It's just evidence-based analysis. It's just going where the evidence suggests you go. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, your examples, especially in, in Minnesota, like, like, let me, let's back up. Let's remember how this year started. It, 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 I kind of feel bad for the GM in Minnesota because he left himself with no real, um, way to take credit for what's going on in this very fortunate season because he he kind of dissed Kirk Cousins right at the beginning of the year I mean he yeah. kind of tried to have his cake and eat it too said I you know I'm not that big a fan of Kirk but you got to take what you got like I mean he was really splitting the All baby he said was on. he wasn't like Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes or something like that which I agree you know you're not supposed there's there was no need to say it but you know there's no Kirk, need to say it right because Kirk's a grown now, up Kirk's if, a grown up if he hadn't said that he could sit here and, and just be by the virtue of his being quiet. He could easily take credit for a season that was mostly variants, right? Mostly positive variants for the, for the Minnesota Vikings. A prediction of yours, by the way, that, that, that came true. Uh, yeah, one of your you're stealing, you're stealing later content. Oh, okay. But, okay right, go ahead. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, so I think, I think that's one example. Joe Shane is, is another example. I just like them hiring. I think this hire of Hackett is not very sharp. Um, he certainly wasn't sought after. Did they do complete due diligence on this OC position? Seems like they were very quick. I mean, why, why, why go? Why go? Well, this is Joe here? Douglas we're talking about here. Oh, Douglas. Hackett, sorry, sorry, Joe Douglas. In New York. I, I'm definitely not sold on Joe Douglas, but go ahead. Okay, uh, and, and then, and, but I don't have your whole list in front of me. I think you also, I, I think you blissfully didn't mention uh, the, the the Browns, so I don't have to go off. I on think them. I mentioned him. I, I mentioned him in. The fact that he was part of the Eagles, I don't know, he was part of the tree. He was there for like two years, but he was hired after out of the the Eagles, I believe. He was Eagles was his last place. So I was more pointing to the Eagles and the fact that it's been a little bit, you know, that they're 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 trying to to grow their uh their uh what would you call it their 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 cadre of potential GMs also there. Go ahead. So so the Eagles are the one I agree with, right? I think they're the very sharpest birds in the league right now. And they, 
they do something else I respect, and that is just what you suggested, which is that they're kind of growing their influence throughout the league by the diaspora of former Eagles front office people. Um, they're everywhere, and and they they promote them throughout the league internally. Like they they want their people going other places, which is really interesting to me. Um, and uh, so no, I think the Eagles are are one of the shining lights. Of analysts. I just did an article today on the way they've allocated draft capital since 2016, and it's stunning how closely it hues to what we would expect a sharp front office to do and how to spend draft capital. Like, Howie Rosen is not, and the, and the Eagles are not in the NFC Championship game because they picked the right players, right? They screwed up lots of picks. Like, they have a generation, generationally bad uh, first-round pick in tackle. Um, a complete bust. They have they they passed on the best wide receiver in the draft in 2020, right before they picked Hertz. You know they they spent it on Rager, and 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 then they had a second round cornerback they had to shuffle off to the Seahawks for a sixth. I mean, this has not been you know if you know the triumph of evaluation. This is the triumph of continuing to stockpile at the most important position so that you can overcome your starting quarterback turning into a pumpkin. You can overcome injuries. You can overcome the chaos of having to fire the only Super Bowl winning coach in the team's history. Like, and two years later, be back or less than two years, be back in the NFC championship game. And that's the power of positional drafting. And I think if we're going to like laud analytics, like, I mean, we, I think we really need to be more focused in who we give credit to. And I think the Eagles are a team that deserve it. Yeah, no, I'll give that to you. And also, you know, Roseman's been around, obviously, for for a long time here. Uh, we're talking about coaching. Uh, not a lot of coaching hires throughout the Eagles' time, especially under Jeff Lurie, the the owner who came in. They had one hire that kind of busted out very quickly. But then they got, you know, Andy Reid and Doug Peterson. They did a pretty good, pretty good job hiring two guys out of relative obscurity also. I mean, Andy Reid was the quarterback's coach, I believe, only for one season at the Green Bay Packers before they hired him. Doug Peterson famously was coaching high school football uh, a few years prior to being with the Chiefs and then coming out from there. Um, so they've done good on that side. I'll give you the, the Eagles. What I think was interesting about their draft strategy, and this is why it does not fit with the draft industrial uh, take complex, which you, you, you pointed out to me, the Eagles article after Jalen Hurts was hired of eight different Eagles analysts, all just just apoplectic about this pick just like it was it was and the certainty to which they were saying that it was a completely worthless pick and that's another thing that goes into it is also interesting there's two different things that roseman has done that do not align with how most people think about it and one you mentioned positional value so positional value is good um you're, you're tilting the odds in your favor um and that also goes with i think not checking boxes when it comes to we need X position. So let's check, let's, let's spend a first round pick on it. Or in this case, when it came to Hertz, way too many people were like, we need X position. So let's spend a second round pick on it. And boom, 
that's that's covered. It's like it might be covered. It might not be covered. We don't even know what's going to happen there. So even the positions you think you have covered, you might not have covered, a.k.a. Carson Wentz or any other of the positions you might not have covered. And when you're drafting, if you think you're just filling a slot, you might not necessarily have that covered either. So why not concentrate at the hardest things to get in free agency, those premium positions that you're really overpaying for in that circumstance? Why not concentrate your draft picks there? and then let the rest fall where it may. It's not going to align with checking boxes. It's not going to align with evaluators who think they know a particular player is going to be good or bad, but it is over a long-term strategy going to build a roster that's very robust around the quarterback, which is what they have right now. Yeah, and, and just continuing on the Eagles because it's top of mind, something I've been researching the past two weeks. It, your point is well taken that it, it you know you're going to miss on those other positions that you think are really easy to project and evaluate also i mean it happens yeah. all the time there as well it's not like that big of a, a of a differential between success rates and so but the one thing that i or or kind of a it's suboptimal what the eagles did in certain respects like they they spent a lot of draft capital to to trade up for a guy that guy was in the position that i would i would recommend but the draft capital used to like get davis last year at, at uh, defensive tackle was a lot like like they did trade up to get him and that yeah. kind of means that Howie is kind of balancing things internally. Like he's allowing his evaluators to pound the table and then he's going to get the guy within limits, right? He's put guardrails up. It's got to be at these positions, but within those positions, he'll go and get your guy. And that, and maybe, maybe that's something that, you know, as, as complete nerds that we need to, um, we need to think about a little bit more, which is how you balance things internally. And you let people have a voice, you reward them for their work. And I think all of that is legitimate. And it shows that, even when you act in that fashion where you you're probably a little overconfident in your evaluation and you probably spend a little too much in graph, draft capital to get guys that probably weren't uh, as sure of things as everyone in the building thought it could still work out right and and you probably build a culture that is a lot more amenable to that type of team building yeah i think it's like a theoretical versus practical thing in some ways where theoretically the trade up that you're mentioning for Jordan Davis and the also another trade up. I think you, you hinted at Andre Dillard have not panning out. Now, if you remember post like draft immediately after that draft, when Dillard was taken, you know, Dillard, they didn't, they didn't exercise his fifth year option. I mean, he's played sparingly only when guys are getting injured basically to come in here. But if you remember in that draft, um, which I guess was the 2019 draft, they leapfrogged, the Texans, I believe, to draft him when everyone thought the Texans, and I think the Texans did take an offensive lineman still in the first round. So people were just over the moon about getting Dillard as being so much better. Now, this thing with, with, with Davis and drafting him this year, I do think there was a clear evaluation teardrop after Davis. Once the receivers were off the board, the top receivers, not Traylon Burks was kind of seen as, as being separate from Wilson and Olave and Jamison Williams and Drake London. So after that, I do think there was a teardrop there. And I also think Howie may have been thinking there's no chance this guy is going to be around at our pick. So let's jump over someone who we think is going to take them. What do you think about that? The jump over move? I think it's probably also not justified um, but if you really have some intel, maybe you've really been game planning on where particular players could go to certain teams and have some sort of probabilistic view on that, not just a gut feeling, maybe it could be worth it. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that you're right. And I think that and, uh, scouts can tier players and, and that in their build, Davis was a perfect pick. They already had their rushing in place. They had solid work there. They'd taken, a, you know, a, a flyer. I, I don't know the order of operations here, if they've already signed the uh, the guy from Arizona, uh, Hassan Reddick. I think in they probably event, did. It's free agency. So they yeah, they did. already had. So they wanted to shore up the interior of that line so that their outside rushers could get to the quarterback. It's a perfect pick for that position. And if their guys were saying, no, there's a massive drop-off, as you said, I don't think it's an egregious trade-up. But when you put it in context of what they did with Wentz, three trades to get up to number two, effectively. Um, they traded three players and a boatload of picks. I mean, it was just a massive haul of draft capital to get to. A, now, again, it was whoever fell, right? So it wasn't that. They were still tearing. And I think, but I think internally they really wanted wins. Yeah, and, yeah. Just, look, just looking back here, Kyle Hamilton went next, then a guard went next, and then Jahan Dodson, who I think was pretty clearly a drop off. And then another guard went next after that. So I think that was probably their thinking. Yeah. But I, I just think if you put it in the context of Howie's, you know, entire run since 2016, when or since he regained personnel power, um, I think you've seen that he is not afraid to throw draft capital around and move up and then draft guys who his team thinks are, are, are really good bets um, within the tier um, or at the end of a tier, um, but at the right positions to his credit. Yeah. And being able to extricate yourself is sometimes from a bad decision um, is like a way to lower the cost, the opportunity cost of making these decisions too, if you're willing to extricate yourself and not, you know, like they did with Wentz basically and, and, and get out of it. Well, here's a question for you. Is that a skill or is that just luck? Uh, I think it is a skill. I mean, I don't know if I would put it in the same exact bucket, but I think a big skill for sustaining excellence in the NFL is being able to let players go. I mean, I think the Ravens have been perhaps the best at doing that in the past. Now, no comp picks for your, for your Ravens uh, this year. I think for the first time in like over a decade. Um, comp picks don't matter anymore. That's what I'm being told. I think they still matter. Um so so that's important vis-a-vis -vis someone like the Vikings where it was like, we're so close, so we're going to keep bringing these guys back, bringing these guys back, bringing these guys back. Um, you know, the Jets were, were going to take away the middle linebacker. I forget who it was at that point. Um, and then they said, no, 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 we'll, 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 you know, give him a little bit more money. He could come back. I do think that's a pretty important quality. And maybe those go together is being able to, to let someone go and being able to extricate yourself is all a way of saying, you know what, if we get a little bit worse in the short term, that's okay. We don't have to continually be maxing out, um, in order to build ourselves up for the year, the next year, the year after that. Yeah. I, I guess I push back a little bit on the idea that it's easy to make trades. I think. To the extent it's a skill, it's a relationship building skill uh, between other GMs and you and kind of being seen as an honest broker and someone they can come and deal with so that when you want to make a deal, they look at it as an opportunity instead of, oh, here comes fucking Howie again, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, after that Wentz trade, maybe they will be thinking that, but he got traded again after that, though. So right. He, he even, maintained yeah. his value somehow. I don't know what that was. Yes, I don't know what's going on either, but um, yeah, part of my argument about how like even a quarterback who doesn't, there's all these people who think a quarterback who doesn't win, this is the Justin Fields thing, quarterback who doesn't win the the quarterback competition, suddenly their value, you know, falls off a cliff. It's like, fuck, Carson Wentz got traded for twice after the team's, you know, 
were sick to their stomach thinking about having them him on the roster and were willing to get rid of him. So it it definitely can happen. Um, all right, let, let's talk. Let's talk our previous bold takes first before we get into some of the playoff stuff here. So I have. Let, let me actually let me grab it here because I have. I even I even have some some audio in this one here because I'm going to grab our bold takes from the past and again as i said there's a little good bad and and ugly going on here when it comes to these takes so you let us off uh and just so you know that the i'm going to preface this by saying our bold takes was saying let's imagine this is something you can bet on where it's not a 50 50 bet because that's not really interesting necessarily but it's also not something where people pull out these ridiculous bold takes where it's you know a plus 800 sort of bet but they're going to say it's a bold take and it's going to happen and when it doesn't happen they say oh well you know it had no chance of, of happening so we were saying i think it was like a plus 150 maybe like 40 percent uh threshold for for probability of happening we take this back in august um it starts pretty well so <laughs> Let's start start early, but it starts good, and then we'll get to we'll get to some of the bad here. So here was, and this was, I mean, this is grand slam here because I feel like this was even this is much bolder than even the plus one fifty sort of take here. So the first take from from Mister Hermsmeyer here, and we will listen to see to see what he has as I as I play this here. Hopefully this works. Oh, actually, I have the wrong thing. <laughs> I, have, I have an ad here, so we'll hear the ad first. Okay, now let's go to it. Oh what my god, want? I got another ad. These people, YouTube is killing me here. Um, all right, let me, uh, let me let me quiet this down, get past the second ad here, and then we'll get going. This is PFF's YouTube here. Uh, here we go. My my first bold take regards Daniel Jones, and uh, I think right now, after three years, people are pretty convinced that he is one of the bottom of the barrel quarterbacks in the league, maybe twenty fifth to thirty second, something like that. Um, I think he has a chance to be above average this year. Um, He's got a new head coach, and Dabble, over the course of his career as an OC in Tennessee, he was credited with an offense that, like, minimized the flaws. I think yeah, I know. You first saw that. We'll, we'll ignore that. We'll and ignore that. that by we will, will not invalidate like, the What the hell was I talking about? Way, way okay, you have some good recs. So we don't need to go through the whole thing here. So I would yeah. say that, I mean, that's like a 10 out of 10 right there. I mean, Daniel Jones. Well, except, is, except for the wrong team. That, that was that was pretty bad. I, I think I had okay, my, my notes. In, I think I had my notes in front of me, and I like skipped to number two or something. It's fine. Well, uh, we don't come to you, Josh, for knowing you know where <laughs> where GMs are from, where where coaches no, are from, clearly. as we saw earlier with the Joe Douglas versus Joe Shane. Uh, hey, they both Joes. That that one yeah. is also explainable. <laughs> That's not why we come to you. Okay, <laughs> uh, we come to you for bigger bigger issues, bigger thinking, and yeah. pointing out Daniel Jones here, I thought was was fantastic. But the thing that leads me into now is you were hyping Jones, not hyping, but you were pointing out correctly that Jones had this upside potential that people were not seeing like nailing that you would have been lucky to have gotten maybe plus 300 on something like that um now you are probably in the camp that jones you know can can get his walking papers at this point no need for maybe even a franchise tag what you say about daniel jones going forward with again credit credit credits due last year well, what about going forward now no, I think you have to let him go. And and my answer would have been so the no same. No franchise tag, even. Yeah, you you can't franchise tag him. Um, <laughs> why not? Why? Well, explain to me why you can. I'll, I'll make a quick argument for franchise tagging. Okay. You tell me. Uh, so real, real quick. They if have you the had money, given. Oh, you want to give the argument? Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say they have the money. It's really quick. They have the money. 
you have to decide early before you know if you, who you're going to get in free agency or via the draft. So it's like a floor play. And they have they have so much cap space that, yeah, it sucks to give up that much money, but it's only a one-year commitment to at least give yourself a floor. Go ahead. You can't If you use the cap on Jones, you can't use it on Saquon. Uh, the, using the cap on Saquon actually makes sense. It's only $10 million. I think they have enough, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, and, and so then you're actually paying – you know, you're probably signing him, right? Um, it, the the much better idea would have been ahead of this ahead of this season to go ahead and and pick up his his fifth year option. Actually, would have had the decision would have been made well earlier, um, and then you would have only been paid twenty five million. So that's the floor of any negotiation. Um, he's probably not going to want to take anything less than Wentz and Matt Ryan. So you're probably realistically looking somewhere in the mid thirties if you're signing a contract with him. Even if it's really team friendly, which I mean, I don't really agree with that. Like, I think I another hot take. I think all all NFL contracts should be guaranteed. I think it's the most dangerous major sport, and if anyone deserves it, it's NFL players. So, uh, you know, I think that as we move towards that reality, which I think it's coming, um, the probably the one good thing Deshaun Watson has ever done is I think that's coming, and uh, and so no, I, I think you move on from Daniel Jones now. I think you're at an inflection point where there's nothing. You've been backed into a wall, and everything you do here in keeping him is likely to be negative EV. Whereas anything you do after letting him go um, could potentially be positive EV, even if it'll be uncomfortable, even if it'll be messy, even if it means in the short term that you might not be quite as good. But um, now my new hot take for this year is they can probably find a mobile quarterback in the draft in the second or third round that could do just as good as Daniel Jones. Okay. Okay. No, I, 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 I got your point actually. Uh, now that I'm, I didn't quite understand it first, but you're saying by using the tag, they can't tag uh, Saquon. You can only tag one player. So, okay. That makes sense. I, I, I get that. Um, so that is a, that is a consideration. Now, as far as cap space is concerned, um, let me see 2023 projected cap space. Uh, they have 45 million projected right now. Of course, that's with, Jones and Saquon off of the roster. Um, they're probably going to cut RIP Kenny Galladay <laughs> here. So that'll save them another, I don't know, 20 million in cap. Um, so cap space is not an issue, but you're right. Double double tagging is an issue, issue there. What about like the Derek Carr contract? I don't know if Daniel Jones would take this, but the Derek Carr contract, which Essentially, when they did that extension, they made his cap hit about $20 million, bumped up to $35 million the next year, but the guarantee did not kick in for that until, you know, they're going to cut Carr before that guarantee kicks in. So they're going to take a modest cap hit and have not paid him that much. It probably seems a little too team-friendly for Daniel Jones to take, but I guess that would be a type of option for them if he would take it. It doesn't sound like he is, though. Yeah, and I just think, you know, again, this is my own ethics. I just think it's gross advocating for hugely team-friendly deals after a, after a player's done everything you've asked him to do, basically. Even if, as I said, coming into the season, it's a great situation. They're going to tailor the offense to kind of minimize his flaws. You know, I, I still, I'm not going to advocate for a team deal. Yeah. I want a fair okay. deal. It, it, will, it will be interesting because he seems not as enthusiastic as Saquon, but it makes sense in the fact that, Saquon, you know, got the fifth year option, all that sort of stuff. And Daniel Jones, they did not show that um, commitment to him, at least a year in advance last year, which is probably a fair decision. I mean, I don't think it was the wrong decision, but they did not show that. So it makes some sense that he's a little bit um, 
more hesitant to say, now, you know what, I'll take a team-friendly deal here. Now, Saquon is a guy I would tag and trade. I, I think I would too. What could you get for him though? But I do think, wait, I'll, let me say real fast. Christian McCaffrey was excellent for anyone looking to trade a running back because McCaffrey, as you've seen him use, like the most valuable thing he does is do these little option routes against a linebacker on third down. And not a lot of running backs do that. Like Saquon doesn't really do that, honestly. Saquon's yards per target is pretty, pretty bad. Um, he's not really an efficient receiving option, as some people may think. So if you can get a McCaffrey deal, if you can use that precedent, yeah, I, I would like that a lot. Okay, I got the agreement without even saying anything there. So that's the highest honor from uh, from from Josh Hernsmeyer here. Okay, let's get back to some bold takes. Let's get, let's get to me here. Let's start pumping my brand up here a little bit after your bold take. This one was pretty bold, and I think um, I think, I think it paid off pretty well. But my my bold prediction for quarterbacks and I am I'm labeling this one. I'm going to label this one. I'm going to call it the the twilight of the elites here and this is Brady and Rodgers. Neither one of them will finish as a top 5 quarterback this season in expected points added per play. All right, before I won't even get into the ra- the, the, the reasoning there, but um yeah, we saw that happened. It was pretty bold. It was probably a little too bold. Again, it's tough to stick with that parameter of plus 150, and we definitely saw it this year. But I guess the question would be and we talked about Rodgers a little bit before this is what do we think about next season cuz it seems like Brady's going to come back. I don't know what's going on here. You know, his family's gone, so he's like Rodgers. <laughs> He has nothing. He has, he has, you know, he could start, you know, also getting into meditation and doing whatever else and not having to worry about uh, uh, his wife asking him to, to, to do anything. Um, so what do you think they could bounce back next year? I guess is an interesting case. Is this really like was this was this a lucky result that I got with this take or was this a sharp take? Well, I don't think it was luck. Because I think I even commented when you said it that what you're gonna you're taking two out of the top five and you think you're gonna hit on both and then, yeah so I no I don't think you can just chalk it up to luck I think uh, I I don't remember your reasoning um, I but, mean Brady uh, I think it was Brady was already like on the cusp of not being in the top five if you looked at him purely from efficiency standpoint. And for Rodgers, it was all the term, turnover and turmoil and the fact that he could regress back to like 2015 through 2020 Rodgers. Yeah. So I think my, my point was like people were overweighting the loss of Adams and all the rest. And, and it turned that turned out to be not the case. Turned out that people had pretty well calibrated what would happen to the Packers without their one of the best receivers in the league. So uh, and I, it's always interesting to see this in the modern NFL. Right. So we've seen instances where t- there's been turnover. Um, with really good quarterbacks and really get great uh, wide receivers. But last year was one of, you know, that was peak. It was like you saw Tyreek Hill leave. You saw uh, Devontae Adams leave. And we kind of got to see how efficiency did travel and didn't travel in, in certain cases um, at the team level. And um, um, But, yeah, so, no, I give you credit. I don't really have much to say. I don't know you're going to repeat that feat. Um, just like uh, – I, but I don't know how generalizable the take was is all I'm saying. Well, I mean, I will say um, but, that. But I don't it, think wasn't luck. Had, it wasn't yeah. luck, and you absolutely nailed it. Okay, I don't think either one of them had noticeable, severe um, physical decline. So I guess that would be my point going forward. Like, how much do you value a Brady or a Rodgers if you're the the Raiders or whoever may, may want Brady? Is it just a PR move, or do you think he can, at what will be 46 years old, prior to the beginning of the 2023 season? 
I think if you're, I want to pronounce it, it's licked. Is that correct? Jason? Liked, I think. Liked. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, me with, me with names. Yeah, we, we don't come to you. That's not, we come that's, to that's, that's not why I'm here. The fact so, that it's the uh, right guy is it, yeah, it's good. So, so, so Tampa Bay, I think if you're that guy, if you're Jason, yeah. you're desperately wanting him back, right? Because your entire team hinges on if you have a serviceable quarterback. It's aging. I mean, they brought back all 22 the year after the Super Bowl. I mean, this is not a guy who's been improving the team. He's been hanging on with his fingernails. So, yeah, yeah. If, if this is a full rebuild if, if Brady walks. So he's desperately hoping he returns. Yeah, no, I, I think he, that's what I that's my take, too. And plus with the combination of the fact that the NFC South is just there's no real reason to think it's going to it's going to have some vast improvement for these other teams next year. I mean, likely there will be just from regression, you know, those teams will get a little bit better. They'll build around. They're kind of getting into the rebuild there, but it could be a winnable division also next year. Okay. Let's get into another bold take here. I guess I went two in a row here and this is what you hinted at before, um, which was my uh, Vikings take. My take is going to be that the Vikings are going to finish the regular season. I, I was going to say they're going to win the division, but I'm going to say they're going to finish the regular season with as least as many wins as the Packers this year. Okay. So that, that nailed that one again. Maybe I was just like, I was just shorting the Packers. I think was part of my thing. A lot of these takes, and this is what we'll talk about again for our next couple of takes, which are almost somewhat invalidated. Um, it's just like shorting particular teams. So I was kind of shorting the, the, the Packers here. Um, I think you the, were also long, uh, Queasy, I think you're also long the Vikings and 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 the hope for the future with the with an analytics GM. Yeah, and and, and the Vikings stink, so they're not that good. So that that was maybe like I'll take it, I'll take it. It wasn't the the greatest take here. Now, well, let's go through some of these again. I think some of these are what we don't really need to discuss. Your next take was Melvin Gordon will be as good as Javante Williams in fantasy. Eh, I'm 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 gonna have to give you the L on that one, despite the fact that Javante Williams did not finish the season. Um, Wait, which one? Which one had more points? I don't know. Well, points. <laughs> yeah, but are you really going to take a W on a guy? I, I'm not going to take injured? a W, but I'm not going to take an L. <laughs> okay, okay. You can take. Uh, what about a process L? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we do? Process? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll take a process L. Okay. Let me see. Running backs. I won a thousand dollar bet on this, by the way. Oh, you did. Yeah. So, so he actually did finish with more points. Oh. Well, no, no, the, that wasn't the exact bet, but the, oh, okay, bet, okay. the bet was last December after his hype game. Uh, someone on Twitter, someone at our old employer, uh, um, Roto Grinders, uh-huh. said this guy's going to be the, the the number one running back next year, and I said, "Oh, oh okay." And uh, so, yeah, I, he gave me the field, and uh, well, let me see. Does and he Gordon took Javante. Show up? Okay, neither one of them are on the <laughs> neither one of them are on the first page. Oh, you're right, Melvin Gordon, 52 in fantasy points scored here. Whereas Javante Williams, 85. So yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Well, well, I'll give you, I'll give you that. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't even sure that he actually outscored him, even though Williams only played a handful of games before getting injured there. So, okay, we'll, we'll give you that. The next two though, is another one where the validity yours is like an NA because it says Trey Lance won't be a great running quarterback. So you know, we, we didn't get enough to see. Mine is a is an L, a big L, where the Cardinals finishing a, at least as good as the as the 49ers. But at the same time, a lot of that, like the first, my rationale for that, the first thing was I'm not sold on Trey Lance and what's going to go on there. So, but the second thing was I'm not sold their defense will be number one again. And, you know, huge, monstrous L there. Um, 
let's run through the rest of these here before we can start talking about some of the the playoff sort of stuff here. Bengals will make the playoffs. Yeah, you're going to take an L on that one. Um, although that was a popular take, which I wasn't against. Um, Browns collapsing did not help that take. And then this is a pretty bad one here from from me. Uh, Davis Mills will have better efficiency in grading than Justin Fields. Now, Mills Mafia, that went, that went way down. That did not help. He did actually have a better passing grade, though. So I'll give him that, but he stunk. And Fields obviously was a little bit better than what I thought. You got any Justin Fields takes? Maybe this would be a good jumping off point for oh. Fields takes. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I agreed with your take uh, when you had it and kind of set Twitter on fire for a day, which was that you keep drafting. In fact, I ended my... My Jalen Hurts article uh, today with the statement that we shouldn't be surprised if the Eagles continue to take quarterbacks, including this next this next round, uh, this next draft. And, and it's because it's part of their building team building philosophy. And I think it's one that Chicago should adapt has nothing to do with your evaluation of the quarterback this year because it shouldn't have anything to do with your evaluation because your evaluation has a strong likelihood of not being correct. And it could be. I mean, it could be an effectiveness. It could be injury. It could be anything. You just, I think the 49ers and the Eagles, both the teams in the NFC Championship game, have shown the NFL in a way that they can't ignore, copycat league, that having a better than average plan B is something that's sharp to do. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, Justin Fields and, and, and the Bears, I, I like Fields. I think he was good. I think he improved. I think that it showed again that when you have legs, you have mobility and, and you know, near elite mobility that it, it buys you time. It's another out on every play um, where you don't have to rely on processing and your arm um, and you can still be uh, marginally effective. At least you can you can win with a player like that. Right. Not because of but you can win with a player like that if you surround him with talent. Now, can you pay a player like that? And I think that. Lamar Jackson, whatever you want to say about him, I mean, he kind of fits at least not saying he's like a he needs to run to be effective, probably, but he was pretty good passing the ball in 2019. Justin Fields 100% needs to run to be effective, at least this last season. It was like zero effectiveness without 60-yard scrambles. Jalen Hurts probably needs to run to be effective. So we have not really seen, to my knowledge, a quarterback get paid in that circumstance for the recent past, right? Because Jackson's still not paid. Hurts, we haven't made that. We haven't gone down that decision yet. After the season, be the first time we can think about him. And Fields, again, they, they might commit to him and they might not commit to him. So what, like in a long-term sort of sort of situation, what do you think about the running quarterback and then Lamar Jackson? Lamar's an interesting case. And uh, coming into this year, I would have said the following. Anytime you get, you hit on a quarterback that has MVP type seasons in his range of outcomes, you have to sign them. I mean, this is what we're all trying to do. I mean, we, the team, the league, you know, front offices, that's what you're trying to do. You have to do it. Like it is there. You've seen it, right? <laughs> You've seen that level of performance. You just need to find a way to get back to it. And the problem is with a guy like Lamar, as much as I hate this narrative, um, you know, he's probably that level of performance is probably tied to his legs, which is probably going to fade quicker than most other qualities that you would expect. And when we do QB age curves, or if you just doing QBR, for instance, that incorporates and perhaps overweights rushing ability, um, you're going to see a fall off among mobile quarterbacks quicker than you will the other type, right? The pocket guys. 
So I think long term, um, he's a he's a worse bet than average, um, even though he has elite in his in his range of outcomes. But I still think if you give him a five year deal with three years guaranteed, I think you'll probably get value out of those three years. I still think it's something you do. Um, hurts and hurts and fields way more up in the air. And again, I think you keep drafting. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting with Jackson because if you look at my uh, a little plug for myself here. My adjusted quarterback efficiency here. Jackson and Hertz actually look very similar this season because Jackson really got no bump from any of the surroundings and Hertz, at least especially when it came to um, offensive line play and receivers grading extremely well by ESPN slash 538's uh, open metric there. I think A.J. Brown was the number one guy in the NFL. Um, and then Devonte Smith, not far behind Dallas Goddard, pretty, pretty good there. Um, so yeah, there's probably even this season, as far as how they played while Hertz was an MVP candidate and Jackson was a little bit down, it didn't quite come together. So there's a couple things for Jackson and I got roasted on Twitter, um, probably justifiably for saying that most of the time it is justifiable, Kevin. Most of the time it is. I agree. Um, where, but I can ignore it now. Uh, uh, when you get roasted, you're like, oh yeah, I, I'm taking, I'll take that one. So by saying that the Falcons could trade with the Ravens for the number eight pick, and that would be like an equivalent trade. Okay, yeah, I, mean, I thought about it some more. They probably need to throw in a second first-round pick, but I'm not sure it's necessarily more than that. And the reason being is I just don't know where the market values these kind of guys. The one thing that that I think about with Jackson, and you mentioned it with career longevity, but even forget about career longevity what about the fact that he's missed 10 games the last two seasons and he is of a slight build, right? I think he's good at avoiding hits, but he's not someone who only scrambles and goes and takes an occasional read option outside and can avoid a hit. I mean, he's going to have to take some hits during the season. So I think that's also a concern that maybe have to a higher degree than fans do. I would discount him not playing through injury this year a little. Um, now that sounds bad, uh, right? That Josh Meyer says he's faking injury. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I think that we expect, I mean, if, if, if you hear some of these stories behind the scenes of what players go through to play, like it's stupid. Like it's literally yeah. dumb. Like I don't, I, I think it's the wrong choice. Um, what they, what they do to themselves. And I don't think you were getting that from Lamar this year. Um, and rightly so, rightly so. No one had committed to him. Why would he commit his body to this game? that no one in this organization that hasn't committed to him. So uh, I would discount slightly. And this is not to take away from his competitive spirit or that he didn't give it his all. He just didn't do the dumb things that that these players do, mainly for their own teammates, right? Like they don't yeah. want to let their teammates down. Yeah. But um, so I would discount it a little. The other part of it, though, is, um, you know, a, a lot depends on who they bring in at OC. I just a lot depends on that. Like him more than most. So uh, I think it's smart that they're including him in the decision-making process, at least nominally. And I think, uh, you know, if they get that part right, um, it makes a deal a, a lot more palatable. Now, would you have to, you have to at least think about all different options, right? So let's say I came to you and I said, you know, I'm, uh, who is it? Terry Fontenot. I, I got to make sure I'm not pulling Hermsmeyer here and getting the wrong person. So Terry Fontenot over at the Atlanta Falcons. And I say, hey, Eric, Eric DaCosta, what's going on, man? Um, I got the number eight pick here. And 
it's looking like a pretty stacked draft for quarterback play here. I mean, maybe you can't get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but you know, this Will Levis guy is here. We got Anthony Richardson. Oh, look, look at this 700 yards rushing, you know, uh, a handful of touchdowns, big guy could take some punishment. Could, could run really well in that system there. Uh, how about I give you this, this, this number eight pick, give you the first round pick next year. Um, maybe throw in a day two pick or something like that. Take Lamar Jackson. Take you don't have to worry about paying him that fifty million a year guaranteed or whatever whatever the hell he wants. You start over with this breathing room here and all that you have around it. This improving defense, uh, you can build around the quarterback better than you have in the past. Get some redundancy at wide receiver, so you don't just have Rashad Bateman there. And this could be your next phase going forward. What do you say, Eric? Done deal. Should we shake on it? What, what, outline the picks one more time because there was a lot of a lot of so words eight, and not a lot of numbers. <laughs> eight. And then 2024 first round pick, wherever that ends up. I mean, we're going to have Lamar, so you know we're we're going to well, be think okay. That's the, that's the we're going to be okay, right? but we're not going to be great. And but then the I'll I'll give you also, um, I'll, I'll, I'm going overboard here. I'll give you our our second round pick this this draft also, which is an early second round pick also in this one. Well, it's too much. I'm already ah ah. You're pulling my arm. Okay, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, I think I think I'd strongly consider that offer. Because okay. the floor is right two firsts. Um, if you put um, if you yeah, put them on yeah, the which I should have put tag, in my tweet that I got roasted for, so that was yeah, yeah. appropriate. That's the floor, and then and if you throw in a second, then I think you have to think about this. That's quite a quite a bit of surplus value, and it gives you that freedom to build the team the way you've always wanted, which is just load up on defense, just try and recreate the glory days. Like I mean, you can keep taking shots on the next Ed Reed. You could have, you know, I mean, honestly, you could replace Marcus Peters with another free agent stud. I'm not sure who's out there right now. I'd have to take a look. But there are lots of things you could do to kind of live out this fantasy of having the best defense in the league every single year. So, um, yeah, I think I would do that. if I. Yeah, yeah. And then also the whole thing I mentioned about them not having a comp pick, it's not a negative just in the fact they don't have a comp pick. But it, it also, to me is a negative because the reason you don't have a comp pick is because you're signing more players in free agency for more money than you're letting go in a season. So that shows a little bit of a poor drafting sort of record over. And, and now they're filling spots, whether it's safety with Marcus Williams last year or Roquan Smith coming in. Now they're filling spots, not via the draft and via free agency and trade. And that makes it more difficult to sign a quarterback, right? When you have to do it that way, because you're overpaying in those markets versus what you, what you could do in the draft. Yeah, no, I haven't been particularly excited about the personnel moves of late. Um, But again, if that is the direction you're going, trading Lamar makes a ton of sense in this case. Um, And, and, and again, they don't have that third or third round comp is because they kept Roquan like, and Roquan's great. Like, I watched the tape. Like he he looks amazing. Like he's fantastic. Mike McDonald is a fantastic DC. I said that all year long. Um, I think he's terrific. Probably one of the most forward-thinking uh defensive coordinators in the league. He's going to be a head coach soon. The guy's amazing. You're giving him a a movable chess piece in Roquan. Like a guy's amazing. He's he's on Fred Taylor, uh, Fred Warner's level, but he 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 is not worth giving up that third for what you already gave to get him in season. He would have been a legitimate rental 
right? That would have been, that would have made sense in terms of draft capital they gave up and the value they received. Um, but, but, but you, you throw that all out the window, you throw away the third round comp. I think that because of all of that, this idea of getting, of, of, of trading Lamar for more picks, including two, two first and a second, it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not sold on needing to do it, but I also think another interesting thing you could try to do. And again, I don't know if you franchise Lamar with the exclusive um, franchise. If you do that, if he just refuses to sign it, like if he's just like, dude, I'm not going to sign it. And then you can't trade him right until he signs it. So that complicates things. But if you could, if you could get at least an agreement in principle in place with the Falcons and even wait up until the draft and say like who's there at number eight right can we get a quarterback at number eight what's going on you could be in a much more attractive situation there or you could like get eight and move up to grab someone a few picks earlier if there's really like I don't know who falls Stroud or Young or one of these guys falls that you really want to grab so like if you could negotiate that somehow and like wiggle through and get Lamar on the franchise and then um, trade him day of. I think that could also be interesting just to have more information, but that's a lot. That's, that's kind of overcomplicating things, but just another idea that that I had there. Okay, let's talk playoffs. Now, we, I don't really care that much about the playoffs, honestly. So we got, we got some good games coming up here, but I know you're a 49ers guy um, and a big, big Fred Warner guy, as, as we know there. Um, as you just said, he's pretty good, but you know, you've had some takes on him in the past. So let's talk what do you think about these matchups? And is there anything that's being over or undervalued? I was a little bit surprised that the Bengals were ever favored. Now, I guess we have that swinging back towards KC. That would be my one thing is to probably say Kansas City should be maybe a two, three-point favorite over the Bengals, assuming Mahomes can move and it looks like he can move okay. Um, but I don't really have that much of a take on Philly in the 49ers because that one's really weird to me because my numbers say it's a pretty close game, but yet my heart says we should be a little bit more into the Eagles, I think, um, than even the two and a half points was at most re- most recently. Yeah, I'm I'm with the 49ers. They're both coin flips, basically. I mean, they're yeah. shaded one way or very the other. Very close games. Very close yeah, games. Close games. I think the Bengals are now f- favored in Vegas, um, which is interesting, and maybe that's swapped since Mahomes. I think came it's out flipped. Today. I mean, it's all around, it's like one in one direction, and now it's one back towards Kansas City since everyone's sharing the videos of Mahomes, like, jogging right. around and stuff. Right, exactly. And, and, you know, and there you go. I mean, I think Mahomes being fully healthy is actually worth more than a two points. So I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> call me crazy. If he truly is healthy, then I think Kansas City is, is a hard favorite here. But yeah. I, don't, I don't see how that's true. High ankle sprains are, are a thing. And, uh, and, and, on, and he was diagnosed with one. And so it's either the good kind, which is like a two or three week thing, or it's the very bad kind, which it's looking increasingly likely like it's not, which is like the you know month, month and a half thing, um, possibly surgery. So I think, I think, yeah, I think we're on the, the, the two week thing. If they can get past, if they can get past the Bengals, I think he could be something close to full, full go on the Super Bowl, which is great news for the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think on the other side, in the NFC side, very, very, strongly passionately emotionally invested in the uh in the in the 49ers this year they've been the most injured team um whether you look at the number of injuries or the most or the importance of the injuries like in terms of like weighted av um and the eagles have been one of the healthiest teams you can't really count those games that that hurts was out at the end of the year i mean the guy 
had already locked everything up for him. And uh, I mean, it was almost like a, 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 it was almost like a blessing in disguise that he was off the field because it get, keep him fresh for the playoffs. So um, I think they were the third least injured team. And so what I see here is the ultimate underdog, right? Who's almost because of the genius of the head play calling of the head coach and the otherworldly performance of the last pick in the draft and an incredible defense credit where credit's due with Fred Warner manning the middle. Um, you know, I think that that's a, that's a terrific story and I can't wait to see them uh, beat again, a team I admire like more than almost any in the league, the Eagles. Yeah. Now, can we can we count those quarterback injuries since they just they helped the 49ers get to their best quarterback though? So, right. so they're, they're, they're actually positives here. And let me give you this. Okay, Garoppolo is declared out for this game. We got a two-week period. I'd say there's not a snowball's chance in hell that they're gonna put Garoppolo in the Super Bowl if they made it to the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong. Right, like, ooh, this is a take. Okay. You need okay. to, you need to, you need to trot this one out on so, Twitter. So, oh, I will. Um, so, like, I was looking at my adjusted things here. Like, Garoppolo's play is pretty similar to Purdy's play. Uh, Purdy's had bigger help in a couple of different areas. One was drops. Like his drop rate is it was like one point five percent versus Garoppolo's was six point five percent. Of course, you know, people always respond back and they're like, oh, he throws a more catchable ball. And it's like, well, that's possible. But let's face it, we know there's a lot of luck in drops. So there's that. And strength of schedule was extremely easy. Now it got a little bit harder with the Cowboys, although the Cowboys didn't put that much pressure on him. So for those two reasons, his unadjusted efficiency being better than Garoppolo's after adjustment, it was about the same. So at the very least, I'm not convinced he's necessarily been fundamentally better than Garoppolo. And then you look at track record, you look at all that sort of stuff, how many years you have, blah, blah, blah. Um, Is there any case for putting Garoppolo in? Because I think there might be like a theoretical case, which is where we like to live. Um, But the real football reality is no shot in hell. So, I mean, since we're kind of, you know, reading the tea leaves here and doing splits and things, and one of the things I looked at was, so they're both in the same system in the same season with basically the same personnel. So what would be a part of their game where you could try and find a differentiation? And it was yards, 10 10 air yards or more, passes 10 air yards or more. And uh, in that split, which again, let's just, Put it right out there. These are tiny for, for Purdy. Um, but he act absolutely lapped Garoppolo. Um, his CPOE was well positive, while uh, Garoppolo's was well negative. And, and then you, you might say, well, Garoppolo's really good on third down. So, like, I mean, we could battle splits. But I think in terms of is Purdy better at operating this system, I think we do have some evidence that that's true. We have already evidence that Garoppolo chokes really, really badly in the big game. And so that is, that oh, is, on. that How is going to keep him. We have? Talk about small sample, but okay, go ahead. Continue. That, that is going to keep him out for sure. Um, I think. Oh, I he'll think, be declared out. Even if he can play, they'll just say he can't play. So it's not yeah. even a discussion. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, you might poo poo it, but if you don't have the confidence of the team, you can't. You just can't name him the starter. Yeah. So you know, I agree. Uh, poo-pooing is my specialty so yeah i will do that and <laughs> i just think it's an interesting discussion like are you confident in a one in one game that purdy would give you on average better performance than garoppolo 
knowing what we know and their career histories and everything else, like, like how confident are you that's the case? I mean, he hasn't lost. So, oh my I God, think, we're going to QB wins. No, no, but I, I just you're you're saying you're giving me a win or lose situation, yeah, and I'm saying yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it happen yet. That's that's a that, that's a data driven statement. But I think I think uh, the the question, the way I answer the question is, does he have? Is he operating in a good offensive environment? And he is. And can he make good decisions? And he can. And then on top of it, it appears, and I'm not sold on this yet, but it appears he has the skill and ability to throw on time and on target downfield. So, yeah, I'll take Purdy. Okay, let's do it. Um, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not against you. I just thought it was an interesting discussion. I know you got to get out of here, Josh. You. Follow Josh on Twitter at Frisco Josh. Anything you want to plug? You got some plugs? I mean, you, you got your article today on Yeah, just, just read Yeah, just read the Hertz article and send me fiery tweets. All right, man. Well, good to have you on here um, and good to catch up as always. Josh is the best. He does great work. Check him out, everyone. And I'll be talking to everyone next week. Thanks. See you.